All right, so we just did episode two. Almost all of it was around uh, the Fire Festival. So if you don't know about mm-hmm. the Fire Festival, uh, check we'll it out. About that. Yeah, check it out. I don't know. Do should we tell them to check it out and then listen to this? Uh, yeah, I I would definitely. Well, yeah, I would I would say uh, go watch it. Go watch the net. Or at least a Google it and read it yes. on Wikipedia. Right. At a minimum, that first, and then feel free to listen to our topic. But no matter what, I would encourage our listeners to go out and watch the Netflix documentary, uh, Fire Festival, The Greatest Party That Never Happened, or also also the Hulu version, I think it's just called Fire. I, I don't know the specific title to that, but they're both interesting. And um, they're worth they're worth the time. They're they're just something we hadn't I didn't remember happened. So yeah, yeah. So basically, we talk about our thoughts on it and sort of observations and stuff. And uh, I don't know, we went on for quite a bit about it. So enjoy what our yeah. thoughts are. Yes, we did. At least I at least I had fun with it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, folks. Thanks so much. Great. Here we go. Mr. Madison, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, so we're live. Cool. All right. So so what you were saying, you were talking about uh, when you were in Europe, how much... Mm -hmm. Do you remember I, how much uh, fuel was? Uh, n- no, I, I don't remember, but I do remember when we were in Europe and also in Jamaica, just on the sheer, like if you do the math, like it was something to the effect of how much you pay in American dollars worth a gallon. It was something like, I want to say a gallon would have been like if we were in Jamaica, you know, because their money is way different, but let's just use, let's just use Europe. I mean, it, it, it was, it was probably the equivalent of like 10 to $12 American dollars a gallon, something just really super expensive. Yeah, I think so because it, I think somebody was telling me, and I can't remember the number. Right. Because again, I was saying we pay. Mm-hmm. You've got bucks. about, yeah, well, right now about we're, $6 our money, but yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, it's, it's right now it's about $6 a gallon mm-hmm. for us, 6 to 6.25 a gallon. That's Canadian. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, $5 a gallon, four fifty. Right. Yeah. American a gallon. So, yeah. I know that Europe. Last time I, I think the last time we heard it wasn't, I'm just kind of guessing, was in the $253 a liter range, which is, right. you know, again, mm-hmm. if, like in like an equivalent numbers for us. So whatever yeah, that is, but that's, that's a lot. Well, and, and, you know, we get up as high as four, four seventy nine American here at times. It just depends. And that's been kind of a while since we've had that. There was a period that it was it was probably in the high fours, almost. I don't think we broke into the fives, but it was four eighty nine, four seven nine, for a couple of years. And then I think there was some tax that had run its course or something, and then it you know or, or whatever it was, and it dropped down into the threes. I think we got down. I haven't had it, but Susan's filled up well, probably six months ago. It was around two eighty nine, but it's been steadily about three fifty since then. So, but again, you know, compared to the world, it's pretty cheap. So I don't really ever complain much filling up my tank at all. Yeah. Especially, yeah. Like we said, especially in, in, in Europe, it's. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't commute, you know, so I'm filling up my gas tank maybe once a month at this point, you know, I can fill up and and just. Yeah. You working, you working at home makes such a difference with that. Well, that's the thing I'm looking forward to as well with this new job I'm taking. Right. 
being able to have a work vehicle. Now, of course, it's only for work purposes, so I won't be using it at all for well, sure for driving. Sure. Of course, that's you know, but right, you know, you're never driving to work and paying for gas mm-hmm. is such a. I mean, that's you know, that's about fifty bucks a week. So yeah. it's two hundred dollars a month. I mean, that's a that's a that's a lot of money in my pocket. Well, you know, in, yeah. in, and I'd rather in my pocket than someone else's, I suppose. Right? <laughs> well, and, and go figure. I mean, think about that. You're doing that, say, four or five days a week, or let's just say five days a week, and so you're using your personal vehicle Saturday, Sunday, yes. two days a week. Yeah. Right. Instead of like normal commuting in your own vehicle back and forth every day plus your weekends. So, you know, that's just going to drastically cut down on your miles. I mean, when I bought my truck. I bought it brand new in 2012 and I commuted for about two years, you know, before our office went work from home, we shut down. Right. So, but I mean, I only lit, I mean, I, at the time I, the office was only about 25 minutes from me, you know, it was. That's about I what I am right now. Right. So it's, it's, it was fairly, would commute to me was, you know, 20 minutes in the morning, maybe 25 to 30 on the way home with traffic. It, it, but it was a nice drive too. I mean, it was through mountains and stuff. So it wasn't like, you know, just that boring freeway drive bumper. So it was kind of nice. But I did that for two years. And and since I've done that, and I've thus far been ever since, and I've paid my car off by this point, And it's, it, it I want to, I, I, right now, with I only have like 40,000 miles on my truck and I've had it like almost seven years. So See, I li- I'm literally driving technically about, I average about 500, 520 miles a month at this point. And that's including the two years that I commuted. So, and, and the value yeah. to that is, I mean, the initial value, like what, like, mm-hmm. like the value that you see right away is the, is the fuel cost that you're saving right. yourself right now. Right. Absolutely. But that's check mark. Yeah, for sure. But you're, if you're going to put on that few, few miles on your vehicle, you know, overall year mm-hmm. on year, when you go to sell your vehicle, that's mm-hmm. like the number one thing probably that people, if they look at a car, say five years old or six years old or mm-hmm. whatever, they're, they're taking a look at how much, I know myself, if I'm looking at a used vehicle and I'm looking mm-hmm. at a, you know, 2015, you know, whatever. Whatever, yeah. You know, you, you know, you can always filter it. I'm probably going to filter it either by price unless I've, Pri- you know, like a lot of those. Any sure. website gives you a filter, like a uh, you right. can do a price range. So it's I'm already mm-hmm. in my range, and you're probably going lowest miles, miles, to, miles. lowest yeah. lowest by miles, right? So yep. you know you're you're you're, and then you'll pay more for a car that has significantly less miles mm-hmm. because you know that car just doesn't have the same kind of wear and tear on it, right? Yeah, miles are key, and, absolutely. And, and I mean, my you know with my truck, and you know I said I, I bought it in 2012. I had a standard six-year, you know, 72-month loan. I ended up paying it off four or five months early. And then I want to... So I haven't had a car payment in almost two years. And, you know, it's... That truck is worth probably... I bought it for like 35. And I bought it back of invoice because I got a good deal because of, you know, people we know in the business and stuff. Right. And... um, But now I want to say I ran the Kelly just because I'm curious with the low miles. It's like got a trade-in value of like 18 grand. Like 17, 18 grand. And that's that's a standard. I mean, take about eighty percent of that. That's what a dealer will pay for in a trade. Uh, to be fair, you know, give or take. So, you know, if I went to go trade this truck in for if I wanted, I'd have about fifteen thousand dollars, you know, of equity to put into another car if I wanted to. But I don't plan on. It. I plan to drive to the ground. So, you know, I'm just one of those. We're we're, we're the kind of those families that you know we know families that you know just turn cars every couple of years. We just don't do that. 
Yeah, that, that's and okay. I, yeah, and I don't mind people that do. It's great, you know, leasing and and all that. People like to do it. More power to them. You know, it's part of the economy. But it, I, I've only had three cars in my entire life at this point, so <laughs> it's like it's so yeah. much cheaper too. But yeah, you've only had three cars. Yeah, well, I had a I had an S10 when I got when I was 16. I got a Chevy truck, a little S10, and it was it was paid for at that point. It was a cash car. And then I had a Toyota Tacoma, excuse me, Toyota Tacoma, and I had that for 14 years. And then I sold that to a friend of mine's brother because he was a Toyota tech and he wanted a the, you know, a Toyota truck so he could work on it and fix it up and do more stuff. So he bought that for like 3 grand and then took that 3 grand and flipped it into a down payment on the truck I have now and I've had it for seven eight years so i just we just don't turn cars i mean unless you have to kind of thing but it got to the point with the tacoma that after 14 years or something you're kind of like okay it's becoming a little bit more cost to put into the car to keep it going so it's like okay i'm done at this point but still got a lot a lot of time out of it or something so for sure yeah and susan's the same way she's she's on car number three and when i when i met her she had her vehicle and dallas actually had her old vehicle when he started driving and then she got a the Mazda had it for about a year but then didn't really like it and so she traded in and got this uh, Subaru the Crosstrek that she likes and so she has oh the Crosstrek yeah she has that's a, a cool looking little vehicle loves it she loves it and I I, I quite enjoy it. it's a nice vehicle and uh, it's very comfortable and Subarus are a really good product so there's yeah, a guy, she was there's a guy very in the rare. neighborhood who has a Crosstrek and it's that kind of cool gray but he's yes. got it jacked like mm-hmm. probably only a couple inches. Right. He's got just a little bit meatier wheel on it. Right. And then it's a nice a re- looking car. Yeah, and then he's got a really cool like a like one of those off roading roof mm-hmm. racks that you see like Jeeps yes. and whatnot have. Yep. Yeah. It's like cool for bikes looking, and stuff, you'd put yeah, you put everything up there. You put like and a big tent in it or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Sure. It's a cool looking little cross track. He'd he's done it well enough that it looks a little beefier without mm-hmm. being like, nah, you took that one too far. You, you, know, when <laughs> yeah. you, you know when you see someone that's got a vehicle that, like Jeeps and trucks, I mean, there's too far, too far, but yeah, you got to go pretty far to go. Yeah, you there's went a, too there's far. A fine, there's a fine line. Like Susan yeah. always talks about all the time, which is funny, is about the lifted trucks. And it's the running joke. The higher the truck, the smaller the penis, right? Yeah. That's the running joke. And, you know, guys, I like I, I like lifted trucks to a point. I mean, within reason. Like my truck's not even lifted, but it's fairly high off the ground just based on the size. Yeah. And I wouldn't mind on another truck getting one with a little bit more lift on it, but but reasonable. Like just a little, not not a lot. So but uh, you know, because you're right, you can get way way high on it, and you're like, okay, now what are you compensating for at this point? But that's, and know? that's you know, it's like any vehicle. Like when you draw, yeah. when you say, okay, I'm going to get myself a, an Audi A4, and I'm going to drop mm-hmm. it an inch, and then you mm-hmm. see, oh, that inch was good, but oh, what's another mm-hmm. half inch? And right, oh, I'll put some 10 mil spacers in the wheels, and it mm-hmm. they come out just a little bit. Oh, that looks, oh, that stance is great. And then one day mm-hmm. you, know, you look at it and go, oh. I'll, I'll do another 10 mil space. And next thing you know, you have a car that to you, because you've only done a couple little things. Yeah, it looks like nothing. It and looks like it's nothing, like, but people go, you went to, you went too far on that. And because the wheels are jutting out and stuff. It's like, because the old, no, the you, tool, yeah. you never do it on the first move. Those ones no. that are jacked way high. They never yeah. did that on the first shot. Well, if you did, you, it's the ones like we see, because we see them because we, you know, we finance a lot of them and, you know, I go on the dealer lots all the time and they have the, you know, the really tricked out trucks in the front, you know, up on a rock or something to make, you know, really kind of accentuate the point. 
And they yeah. look nice, but it's like, man, you know, and I, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of partial, but they, oh, they're, yeah, trucks are uber expensive, especially if you're getting anything with a lift kit on it, oh, a lift kit on it, or, you know, yeah, stuff. lift kit and then the suspension's all there's a, mm-hmm. there's a Jeep dealership not too far from here. And I was looking at one beautiful, one of those four wheel drive Rubicons mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, I love those. They're so, nice vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. So I looked it up. Now, I don't know what, like, how it translates to you know current dollars, but mm-hmm. it was seventy eight thousand dollars. I'm, like, I'm not. Buying. That's about. It's very similar to what we would have here. The numbers are yeah. crazy. Well, have you seen? There's a Jeep Grand Cherokee. So do you you know the? There's the Challenger, the two door, right? Dodge Challenger, yep. the the yep. throwback retro, which I think is the best of the of the like sure. the you know the Camaro they did a throwback the right. the Mustang but I think the Challenger is the best one it's sort of the most true to the 60s right. 70s yes without being yeah, yeah without still, trying too hard yeah. well, did, have you seen the Hellcat one yes uh, we sell them or we finance them and they're yeah. expensive and they're they're they're, they're sought after so yeah, they're we super have people, expensive well they're 707 yeah. horsepower right yeah they're but, massive have you seen yeah. they've thrown that engine in a uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee the Trailhawk. I've heard about it. I've never seen one, and I haven't. I haven't. Per, I haven't financed one before for somebody, but I've. I, I've never seen. I've heard about it though. A hundred and twenty k for a Jeep yeah. Grand Cherokee. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I, I you couldn't. At that point, if I'm going to spend that kind of money, and I get yeah. it that it's super fast, it's super powerful, sure. and and it's something very specific. It's a yes. very specific niche car for a very specific set of people, so they don't make a lot of them. You know, they're almost Agreed. like, yeah, exactly. And it's just like that with the uh, Raptors, the Ford Raptor trucks. That's it's right. It's the same. It's the same thing. Yeah. But still, if I'm going to spend $120,000 on an yeah. SUV, you best believe I want somebody to know I spent that money. So I'm buying a Range Rover. Or, or, or an Audi Cay- or, yeah. you know, yeah. The Porsche oh, yeah. Cayenne or, or a Mercedes or something like, and also like uh, the Jeep Grand Cherokees are nice. I Like I would buy one of the sort of the regular ones, but. And they're finished well, but I want Mercedes finishing. I want Range Rover finishing at that point. Like at, at that cost, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I've seen. You know, we one of our my coworker Sherry. She, um, you know, she buys locally here in terms of the dealerships. I have in this. I have like my territory is a couple hours away, but so she's local. But she's like, oh hey, and she sends me an instant message. She's like, oh look at this car. So we we had the VIN number, and the guy was from up here, and he's very well off and lives in one of the more elite neighborhoods up here. But, you know, so she's, you kind of spy a little bit because you're trying to get an understanding when people say they make a certain amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like there's a, there's a, there's a point of where it seems realistic and it's our job as analysts is to question if something doesn't seem right because of fraud, right? You don't want false loans coming out for incomes that weren't there. But if you just do Google maps, I mean, this is simple stuff. This isn't like anything massive and you're looking at people's houses. You're like, Oh, this guy's got to be in a couple million dollar home. You know, just based on that. But it was this, it was like that. It was a Jeep. And I think it was I mean, Rubicon or one of those types. And it was like $90,000 or something like that. And we'd never seen. seen that. Yeah, we'd never seen that. I mean, we knew stuff like that out there because we don't see it all the time. We see a lot of it. We have some Mercedes dealers and we have some Highline stuff. So you see that stuff and those costs don't ever they don't even like translate anymore. Like you see that it's like, it's like nothing. Like it doesn't even phase you. But when you see something like you said, like a, a Cherokee or a Rubicon or like the Hellcats, you know, something you're not used to seeing like the fancy package where all of a sudden this car is an $80,000 car and you're going, why? <laughs> you know, you know, it's, it's the, it's the Mustang Shelby situation. That's, you know, 
kind of what it's the same theory. These packages that you get. Yeah, so. they're, they're insane. And like you said, they're 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 not common. They're pretty rare. You're not yeah. going to see one around. Right. Although I've seen a bunch of the Hellcats around here, mind you. Mm-hmm. We have. I've heard more recently too. I've seen more applications for those, and it always looks funky. You don't know it's a Hellcat until you look at the cost, and it doesn't seem to make sense to you. Yeah, because they're like you, you, they're you like look at it and go, "Those are 120, 130k." Yeah. And most people who are buying those type of vehicles have a lot of money down. Usually, you know, they usually those you oh yeah. usually they're not they're financing dropping, very much. No, they're well, they are. I mean, it's, but they're dropping thirty, forty, fifty thousand, but they're still financing like sixty or seventy. No, but still, they're putting massive amounts down. But yeah, those packages, those types of cars, you know, it it, it kind of it catches you off guard, and you have to pay attention, and because it doesn't say on the application what it is. So when you call the dealer, and you're kind of like, hey, you know, why is this sales price kind of exceedingly high? They'll be like, oh, it's a it's a Hellcat. Ah, well, there you go. You know, it's a specific because we as lenders don't give you that as value. Like something that has a $30,000 ad right. like that, that's not a value for a lender. Like somebody giving out the money doesn't mean anything to. It's a very specific car. So if you repossess that car down the road, which is very unlikely based on this clientele, but let's say you did, for sure. that car's worthless at auction. I mean, somebody's going to buy it, but there's not going to be a high enough demand. There's just not a lot of it, right? So it's it, it's like whenever people get these huge packages like lift kits, well, it does nothing for us. You, know, you can buy a ten thousand yeah, dollar no, lift kit, but we're not yeah. financing that. Yeah, don't tell, don't, <laughs> you know? tell, me, don't tell, tell you tell me you put a five thousand dollar stereo in the car. It doesn't it doesn't help with it. Means nothing. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything to us. You know, if it has ad if it has an ad value available on you know book the Kelly Blue Book site or whatever, then we'll give you value. But if there's no value associated with it, it's just all fluff for you and right. for the mar- in the market. So. It's a very interesting topic because people don't tend to understand that. It's like, you know, people too, and we have been doing auto finance for a long time. And it's like, tell, tell people, you know, when the model year changes from 2018 to the new 2019s, there comes a point in time, the year when their model year crossover happens with lenders. You know, like we give you like two months into the year, January, February, that you can use a 2018 invoice because it's still technically kind of new. But then once March hits, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we want Kelly Blue Book on a truck. That's invoiced for 45 and it's really only worth 35 at that point. So when you go in and buy a new 2018 prior model year, you know, into the next year, you're not getting that good of a deal. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, yeah, the, 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 how much vehicles cars lose. I mean, that's why oh, it's I, a I, lot. I, that's it's why a I'm lot. so adverse to buying a, a, mm-hmm. a new vehicle. It's, it's just, it just doesn't make sense in my books when, yeah. you know, you get, it, it's going to be a few years old in your, your mm-hmm. hands. And if you get, especially if you go to a dealership, you know they 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 they're gonna bring in a car and especially like a late model only a few years old. Mm-hmm. It's you know they're gonna they're gonna sell it pretty tip top shape. So you're gonna do you're gonna do. I mean that was like we have the Pathfinder now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, was I like those. Four, yeah, I, we love this thing. Oh um, yeah, it was four years old when we bought it. So, but yeah, we probably paid half of what it was worth brand new. Mm-hmm. And to us, it was well, like a brand yeah. new vehicle, pretty much. You you get that's the thing is is. You know, you get, I mean, I don't mind buying new, like new invoiced vehicles. Sure. Like I bought my truck new, but I bought it in like April of the same yeah. year. Yeah. I didn't buy it in December as the new, the next ones. Once the new model year hits the floors, I'm out on the prior new. I'm out. Like, right. You know, so yeah, because I mean, I've got, I mean, you know, it's going to depreciate, but it, it's, you know, and with the, with you said a used vehicle, that's already taken into account once you're on the lot now granted the dealer has money in that car they took a trade-in on it or whatever they have they have costs that they try to build into that as well so you're not necessarily going to get the exact 
Kelly Blue Book or what you're going to buy for. You're going to get what the Kelly is, but you may end up paying five over or four over, three over, or two. Who knows? Whatever you agree to do. You know, that's just the thing. But it's already built in. You already know that there's actually a, a, a used value, whereas these trucks that, you know, are 50,000 and we, and we book them out and they're like 33. You know, I mean, it's a massive drop on, on, on certain models. There's others. It's not so bad. Toyotas, you know, the Forerunners, it's probably about a four grand, five grand hit, which yeah, seems it, like it, a lot. It, but, it, there's a demand right. piece too, right? So, right. Yep. Toyotas are Toyotas and Hondas. They all go really, really well. Um, but it's, you know, still losing three to four grand seems like a lot. But when you turn around and have like a Ford or Chevy truck and you're losing eight to 10 immediately, it's not that much comparatively speaking. So, you know, but that's just how I look at it when people ask me things like like the little things I would do, but that's it. I mean, but, but to me it also, it's, Hey, whatever you're happy with, you know, if you go into a dealership in December or January or February and you buy a 2018, you're happy with the deal you got. That's your deal. I mean, I, you know, and it's, you know, and why do you want a vehicle and you know, mm -hmm. Hey, it's your, it's your money in the end. Hey, you know, I was thinking, um, I'm just looking at something here. I pulled up our. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm taking a, a, a crash segue here, but sure. uh, I don't know. Have, I don't know if you've gone onto our website that hosts our podcast for Simplecast. So I actually, a little briefly. plug, a little plug to Simplecast. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely hosting our podcast is super easy with this thing. I don't, have you gone onto it at all? I know I put the. Uh a little bit. I, I've, I've checked it out a little bit. I was able to, I looked at it when I redid the link, you know, when I sent out the yep. stuff on Instagram yep. and stuff. But I, I, did, I checked it out. I actually saved it on my phone too. And I have all, it's it's really nice. It's a lot, definitely nice. It's, it's a lot easier really, than the previous one. We won't yes. use their name. So nope. I'm only going to plug the, uh, the good one. The good one. The, the, the other one was nice, but it just wasn't as nice as this. It didn't, so. didn't do as well as this. But uh, we have, we have 20, 29 downloads now. 18 of... In, the intro and uh, eleven of the the first episode. So, so to those who are listening to us, <laughs> thank I have you. to tell you that that's about eighteen more than I thought we'd have. Because <laughs> uh... we don't count when we did it every once in a while. I did it for kicks today. I went onto iTunes because I was doing something else. I'm like, oh look, there we are, and I clicked on our in, on our. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah. So one of those was mine. But you know, in general, it I was like, oh, that's really kind of cool because it was like, okay, great. But I've had I've actually had people reach out, kind of like you did, and say, hey, it was kind of fun, and you guys seem like you're having a good time. I mean, again, it's where everything starts. It's where know? everything starts. It, yeah. It, so you know, so thanks to those who are listening, and thanks, <laughs> thanks now. But uh, I just uh, I, I was like, wow, it's it's kind of a. Like you, like you said, we're, we're not we're not doing this for for likes. We're not doing this for nope. for numbers. Uh, so if people happen to enjoy it, that's uh, that's that's awesome. I mean, you know, it's funny because when we started this, it was like, yeah, just it'd be awesome to have a conversation mm -hmm. and record it and throw it up there. And you know, obviously, I, I love podcasts. Oh yeah, and uh, I don't know if. If, uh, if if people hear it and think it's genuine and we get a lot of listeners, cool. If we uh, if people listen to them and go, these guys are uh, are, are dum dums or I'm not interested. Cool. Whatever <laughs> I mean, same hey. thing. Just I'm just cool with that. You know, it's yeah, absolutely. You know, like, this was never intended to be, you know, some sort of thing. It was no. more just like, hey, you know what? We've known each other for a long time, and hey, you know, be kind of good is to. Yeah, is to kind of like reconnect and and uh, although we've been friends for quite a while, kind of I don't know, we get to know each other in terms of more individual level, other than cursory stuff because we're so far away, and, and, and more uh, in depth into yeah. those things too. Speaking of which, oh, 
Mm-hmm. I got Here's I wanted to ask you because mm. I know we were ta- we were texting around fire on the fire festival mm. stuff. So I got yes. a question. So here's a question for you because I I thought I'm trying to find it while we're talking here, but there was something I think. You watched the now. You've watched the two fire festival documentaries. Like I've seen the one on Netflix. You've seen the one on Netflix, and is it Hulu? Hulu has the other one. Yes, they're yeah. both good. Yeah. Um, you but know, here's it, here's. Did you? I don't know if you've seen this. I thought I saw that the one for Netflix mm-hmm. that it was people from it was Fire Media who did the because the fire festival is like we'll get let's get into talking about it but. Yes. The, if I remember correctly, the fire festival itself, the purpose for it for the guys who did it mm-hmm. was to promote their app that did booking for yeah, like talent, like talent, talent and stuff for like music yeah. stuff, right? Mainly, yeah, music. It was designed specifically, yeah, it yeah, was for that. booking so music that was, talent. Yeah, the fire right. app or whatever, whatever the app was, right? Called. And so, it was, it made sense too. Why they, you know, what they were trying to do made a lot of sense, actually. So, so I yeah. think I'll bring it up while we're talking to see if I'm mm-hmm. if I'm remembering this right. But I believe that and this is what makes me feel like it's almost even more another layer. I think mm-hmm. I read somewhere that it was the or somebody. Who's involved in? It wasn't McFarland because McFarland was the guy who, uh, the big yeah, the the number one, the the main person, Billy, yeah, Billy yeah, McFarlane. but that um, that the Netflix one was produced by or something the the same people who did the Fire Festival. Hmm. I'm trying to find that. I hadn't heard that. Because Netflix would be. does so many things on its own, right? I mean, granted, where does Netflix get all the money for everything? Obviously, there's probably sponsors and things going in. Well, I mean, you know, somebody will make a film and then sell it to Netflix, right? Like like House of correct, Cards, correct. for example. Mm-hmm. Sure. They didn't produce House of Cards. House of Cards was done by uh, David Fincher and I think mm-hmm. I think Spade. Mm-hmm. Kevin Spade, uh, Spacey. I think they did it. And then they, and then like the first season or a couple episodes and then... Netflix bought it, but the Firefox or the Fire Festival um, documentary. I, uh, I'm, I'm seeing it was directed by Chris Smith, and Chris Smith does not sound like a name that I'm familiar with from no. anything included in that. That doesn't mean that they didn't end up producing some of it, but in terms of the actual director, um, I don't remember anything. I. I very much could be wrong because I'm not really very familiar with that part of it. Of, of if there's maybe a potential tie-in. Um, let's see well, here. It's here, Chris here Smith, go. director, screenplay, both by Chris, producers Chris Smith, Mick Przyzitsky, and Danny Gabay, and none of those names seem familiar to me. From I could again doesn't mean anything really there. Here's a. I found an article. Mm-hmm. Fire Festival was a scam. Is right. Netflix Fire documentary a scam too? It says the hmm. festival's marketing agency mm-hmm. also co-produced the film. Yeah, Result- I see that right here. I'm looking it up. I, yeah, found, I just says, found what you're talking about. That's crazy. Well, and it and, says, so yeah. then maybe maybe they started to do it after they realized it was going to be a failure. You know, I I think a lot is because the difference between the two documentaries, the Netflix and the Hulu, and they're both interesting. The Netflix one, one I think is interesting just because it seems more total. Whereas the, the Hulu kind of does center on 
the founder, Billy McFarland, and a little bit more background of his business before fire situation, um, which is important. But I I, I do feel like if you're going to watch one out of the two, the Netflix is probably a little bit more more information, you know, in terms of the, the total event. But yeah, I'm noticing here one of the guys on the, you know, this thing we're talking about it, it does look like one of the guys very familiar. He was one of the guys being interviewed that used to work for this media company called fuck Jerry. Yeah. That was the name yeah, of the, that's right. the, the, the company. Um, it says who was a producer of fire. Also have final cut of documentary. All was being put together. Well, here, hey, this, know, this one yeah. here says there's accusations from the Netflix camp that Hulu had behaved unethically by paying McFarland to appear mm-hmm. in its documentary, which would be crazy because if you're going to pay someone to be in your documentary, then this, I mean, the conflict there is pretty, I mean, and whatever, it's film. Right. So I thought it was very strange that the Hulu version had him being interviewed. I think I mean, that you want was... to be, you, you want to see him in an interview, but if he's being paid for it, well, well, yeah, tell, the, well, tell me, yeah. I, I haven't seen it. Like, was the interview... You didn't learn anything. And that's the thing. I mean, he's doing a talking head interview, which is, you know, just the one-on-one. Thing. And even Susan said this. She's like, but it was just, it was useless information from him. You know, you expect if the guy who is behind this event is going to be interviewed, that you would get something out of it. And there was nothing you got out of it. Now, I don't know if that a lot of it was because he was still going through legal troubles at the time of the interview. McFarland. There's only so many. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that, you know, before he was in the middle of all that. sentenced so, to six years. Prison. Yep. But maybe that's part of it. But then why have him there? If you can't answer anything, then it's, it's useless for him to be there. You might as well do kind of what Netflix did. So there is probably something to that in terms of, because yeah, Netflix that never has an interview. They have the interview with one of the event. A lot of the event producers, coordinators, uh, coordinators, but they they never have they never have McFarland. They never have no. Ja Rule. And yeah, I mean, they have they have they have clips of them, of course. Sure, but, but from, in terms of interviews, they had yeah, but never they had, interview. Yeah. Not, right, not, not was, specifically for the documentary. No, but they yeah. they did have uh, the, the the multiple people that were interviewed in the Netflix version. Uh, was more uh, more of the people around, behind the scenes that were all involved. Yeah, in, like the, in like, term, the from a, from a, like the woman like the production from Bahamas standpoint. and the guy from the Bahamas that were right, like in the, charge the, of sort the, of the like workers, the, the workers yeah. that were right, right, and, and yeah. They had they had the one of the uh, I don't remember what their titles were, but they had the uh, you know, many different facets. Right, you had um, you know uh, people that worked for fire. You know, these people were all inexperienced in terms of you know let's. To kind of get into, I don't know if people know about this. I mean, I'm sure people do, but we can give a brief rundown before we get into specifics. But this event happened in 2017. It was a music festival billed as a luxury music festival. Yeah. You know, and it was, that's how it, it kind of started off. And and what ended up happening is is it just went to heck and went to hell, really. It just, it just never happened. I mean, but it was so dysfunctional that how did it even get to where it was is kind of astounding. But... So this happens in 2017. And the reason, you know, I was always interested in this is I never heard about it. Yeah, I never heard about it either. I never, like... We're also not of the age that would have, though, because this, the people that were heavily involved in who their target audience were, were were millennials. Was two, two, two things. Millennials and it seems to be millennials with money. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And that was a driving factor with McFarland. He was all about what everything looked like. 
Well, because he had that Magnes or whatever his yeah, credit Magnesis card. was his credit card company. Magnesis, which, Magnesis right? Yes. Yeah. And, and it, that itself kind of gives you an idea of what they were about. Yep. You know, Magnesis was about targeting the upper echelon elite millennials with a kind of a credit card that I, I don't know if they give out the credit, but they attach to it, but it basically gives them all these extra perks, you know, yep. like tickets and, and yeah, it's sort of like membership. having a black, sort of like having the, uh, was it the American Express black card, Centurion yes. card, whatever it is, but, yes. but like even yes. more, um, even a little more, more upscale, I guess the theory yeah. behind it, it was very, very that, specialized, right? Right. Very specialized. So he, they, 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 he wanted to, I guess, in doing the running this company, Magnesis, um, and they would have, I guess, the big thing about this company was they had this like loft or or place that you as members could go visit, yep. and you have parties there and all that. So they would have you know music people come in, uh, wine events. They did a whole bunch of things, and I and I understood that I, I, the appeal to it seems. And nice. I think that I mean, even it, many of those didn't actually occur. They were actually. If you, I, I did a bunch of research right. on that one mm-hmm. after that. After we watched the the documentary, and I guess mm-hmm. a bunch of those things, even like ten per twenty percent of those actually. Oh, occurred. Yeah. I, I can't. Well, I, actual, I can't remember what the actual number was, but the, yeah, like they they said that minimal went through. Minimal people actually were able to get the perks that were that were that were supposedly the big draw. Now they, there was many events at this like loft place or whatever i don't remember what they called it but yeah so there was a, there was parties VIP there room, that right. happened right that that happened so there was a lot of that but there wasn't much it was really all style and no substance really right at that point yeah but i right. guess he billy mcfarland wanted to book jaw rule uh, and, he, and he just at the time it was just a, a kind of a hellish event trying to book somebody he had to you know somebody knows somebody it wasn't as that's easy right. as just right so that's where this whole concept was is because it was so difficult he thought you know which was a smart idea how do we have an app that people can go in and book talent? Because there was just nothing in the market at all for that. It was going through these behind-the-scenes deals, and it was just kind of shady, you know, the way that everything was set up. And so it, it made a lot of sense when they're talking about what they were trying to do. It was a very smart idea. And the app, and so it starts with they, they build the app. And then it became a concept, and one of the designers said, you know, his suggestion was, hey, let's do a concert or kind of a festival music festival for industry people, right? To kind of launch this platform, but it was for industry people, not kind of taking what it became. And so that idea, I think stuck in McFarland's head and he ran with it and went, let's make it a, a, a music festival for you know everybody to attend, which for thousands. Yeah. Right. So it went from the, Hey, let's do it locally, you know, to, to build this brand. And it, you know, I get what they were trying to do. So, you know the whole concept of it is is that they said okay we're, they kept saying that they they bought an island in the Bahamas it was Pablo Escobar's island and that yeah, was, it the, was draw, the, the right yeah they were uh, I think they leased it right yes yeah, so, uh, well that's le- yeah you don't really know for sure they don't they're not ever really to pin down somebody said they bought it somebody said they leased it nobody could ever really tell what really happened <laughs> another thing that's kind yeah, of yeah and I think too. what it was is I, I I I do remember looking this one up so I think it was that they leased it. From the owner, and it was um, it was uh, one of the guys that was the one of the kingpins of the Medellin cartel, the one that um, mm-hmm. Escobar was the leader mm-hmm. of, and I guess it was that was the connection to. I, I don't know that it was actually right. when I was looking up that it was actually his island, but it right. was his. It was associated with yeah, him. The, the guy's so. right. It was it, Escobar's like right hand man or whatever it was. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, the concept anyway. of it is yeah. that was the draw. Yes. Right. He wanted to take this vision. Even though they were of, told not to. Not to say anything about it. Yeah. But well, what's interesting, it starts to understand is they, they say they have this island and they want to give everybody this opportunity to experience to come out for a couple of days and have this luxury music festival on this beautiful island, which was tiny. It was beautiful, but it was tiny. And there's no infrastructure on it. I mean, it's just an island. It's just a, an airstrip. That's all it is. There's nothing yeah, it is. there. And so there's no like plumbing or running water. There's nothing. You know, electricity, nothing, right? So it starts off, that's what they want. So they do this beautiful ad campaign to start. They launch it, right? They take all these supermodels. This is what amazes to me. I mean, the thing about McFarlane was good at was marketing. I mean, he was able to networking behind the scenes to get, you know, what, get all this talent, these these super top line echelon supermodels down there for this one weekend to do a photo shoot and do kind of a commercial in essence, right? A teaser. Yeah, and that's right. it, it was brilliant. I mean, it was beautiful. It made sense. But the concept to me was, okay, we're going to have this immersive music festival and the way they shot it was beautiful and all these beautiful women. And, you know, it's like, oh, you never, you know, I agree with some people who were in the, you know, work for fire. They're like, we didn't really understand who we were aiming this at, right? Because it just didn't, I didn't understand, you know, it was like, oh, are we going to go and get supermodels to feed you grapes? I mean, it just didn't really make sense, you know, as to what it yeah, was. Yeah, there was nothing to it other than there was something going on. It right. Was super exclusive, super right. whatever. Yeah. And Honestly, what yeah. really fascinates me is, especially with people like now on social media, is this where it happened. It was, okay, they went this concept and then they took off with the promotion of it through influencers. And they took, you know, it was a matter of just building this momentum of, you know, oh, these beautiful women are all down there. They're tagging themselves in pictures and hashtag fire festival. And everybody's like, what is that? Right. So, you know, this is this big Instagram and, and, you know, all these different social media, Twitter, uh, you know, promotion, you know, people promoting it. And you realize that they have these, I didn't know these existed, but they make sense. They're called influencers. And so they're just, you know, they're people. Yeah. That are either influ- well-connected yeah, or... on social media, right? Right. And so they go around and they just basically pump things, right? Influence, influencers. So the big thing was they paid Kendall well, Jenner. Well, that, well that, that's what the Kardashians really are, right? Right. That, exactly. And that's the thing. They paid Kendall Jenner. They wanted to grand. launch 250 grand for one Instagram post. One. Not a series. No, no. One. One. So, what some people make with their Instagram, like people that have four, mm-hmm. five, ten, whatever million, like the amount they mm-hmm. make... Mm-hmm. To do a post for someone, it's, it's wild. Oh. So they pay her, and and so they do this coordinated event that they're going to do this launch of this, you know, notification. And so they do this, you know, coordination of all at the same time, yeah. all these models and influencers post this burnt orange tile, and it's very ambiguous, right? But you, but yeah. it is it's a it's a it's a hyperlink, right? Because yes, the, the, yeah. Whether it's yeah. wherever you click on it, I think it was yeah. I think it was all on Instagram, but. Like when you Most of it on, was, yeah. and Twitter, I think, too. I think it was Twitter and Instagram. But yeah. the, the thing is, it was the burn orange tile, and they did have a, a link, but it wasn't very specific. You know, it was just this ambiguous, but everybody was doing it. So it created this, like, buzz, which, yeah, again, right. was smart. I mean, these the one thing I'll give them credit for is they understood the, the people they were targeting, and they had a clear understanding of the social media impact. So I will give them a lot of that credit. Because it was smart to do it that way. And so it builds this momentum of this event, right? So they're aiming this idea toward millennials is really the, the people that are you know, rich millennials. Well, yeah, because I mean, yeah. the, the tickets were up to $12,000. Oh, so, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there were, yeah, I think I looked up, we looked, Susan and I looked up at the tickets just after the fact to see what they, I wonder the low end tickets were like 500 bucks. 
but the average ticket was like three grand. Yeah, and then and, obviously and, you had these the, packages they were selling, right? For like 10, 5, 10, 15, 25,000. I think the, I mean, I think the VIP started at 12,000. And right. it was like, and, and that was with the, uh, those crazy, right. um, dome tent, like luxury dome well, tent things. Yeah. And that's not what they were originally. They were originally pitched as kind of like a Coachella thing where you saw like the Coachella videos yeah, where they're like, right. kind of like they're, they're tense, but they're not, but they're more bungalowish kind of things. And that was the, that was the, you know, the concept that's what they sold. And so you had their website that was selling that they're getting these, you know, blueprints of, you know, they're just sketches, but they're basically looking like rooms, you know, not tents. They don't look like tents. And so, you know, they're, they're, they're selling all this stuff. Well, you know, this is all starting, and, and I think the main problem is, is they wanted to do this too quickly, you know, because you talk well, to all did, the people that are... They, they had no idea that putting on an event of this magnitude... And where they were trying to do it. Not in New York, not in L.A., oh, yeah, where ne- you have never, infrastructure never, somewhere. Yeah, never mind right? the location. You want right. to do that was event, the, yeah. yeah. You want to do an event like this, you know, of, of a magnitude of 5,000, 10,000 people, mm-hmm. whatever that is, you know, which is which is funny because five thousand or ten thousand people is actually not even that big compared to you know some of the music festivals and events that sure. are put on. You need a year of planning, Easily. like I said, in a place like New York or L.A. or Miami mm-hmm. or whatever, on a mainland piece. Never mind where you have to get people in, where they have to fly in, especially on a specialized plane. I mean, if they were going to do it in this little tiny island, which they didn't end up doing it on. Right, like, I mean, which is yeah, yeah. yeah the, the the logistics to do that is is insane, and then you know, it, you know it, for for that one, the logistics and the planning. I mean, what was it? Blink Blink One Eighty Two in like was their big was their was, was, was their, their headline was one of their big headliners, and it you know in a in a matter of almost no time at all, they were like, "Fuck this, <laughs> these guys, <laughs> these guys can't. They're not putting anything on here that's something that we can." go to they have no fucking clue. Well, they, they tried to do this so quickly that by the time what you said right there when blink 182 bailed it was the day of the event it was so quickly they they because they talk about and like you mentioned there you know some of the, the organizers that they interview after that were working with them and say hey look to put on a, a really good music festival you know you need a minimum of generally 12 months out planning 12 months out oh for and sure the, the core team that was given for once they initially got a place and started was like six weeks. So, you know, it's one of those things where it, I, I look at it from a visionary standpoint, which I understand that people who put on great things and do great things don't take no. I get it that there are going to be times people are going to tell you that you're crazy. You know, I'm sure people talked, say, told Steve Jobs he was nuts on a lot of things, right? Of course. So when you're when you're putting yourself out there, there there has to be a part of you that doesn't accept no for an answer. So I, I appreciate that vision, right? But I wonder where that stops, where you go, okay, here's reality and here's your vision. And there may be some in between, right? Hey, it normally takes 12 months. Okay, well, we can do this in eight. Yeah, maybe that's realistic. Maybe, right? If, but if, six weeks, six if, weeks. And here's the other thing too. Perhaps, if you know what you're doing. These guys were, exactly. these guys were doing a significantly sized event right. with no knowledge or expertise. Like maybe no. if you get a bunch of people who really know what they're doing. Okay, hey, Bob, what do you do? Uh, you know, for the last 20 years, I've put on music festivals. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, hey Sue, what do, what do you do? Um, you know, I, I catering or I, whatever. I, it is, I, yeah. I, I cater events for 
greater than 7,000 people at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, right, constantly, Okay, yeah. okay. I have this event that I need to do. Are you in? Oh, yes, okay. I need 12 months. I can give you eight. I might be able to do it. I think I can do it. Well, that's the kind of person that, you know, even if they go, well, I think I can do it. You go, okay, you got, you got that. But these people were doing like McFarland, the people Mm -hmm. had never done it, but had never done anything like this before. So you're like, how do you expect that these folks are going to be able to, Yeah. I, I mean, like you said, they're sort of taking, you know, no, no for an answer, but. You know, it's it just makes you it just makes me when I watch it all just go. This guy never had. I think he's just bad intentions right from the beginning. Yeah, I I I, I watched this and you know it's it's interesting. I um when I watched it, it you know it, it's fascinating from all the social media aspect and the targeting of the millennials and all that because there was a lot of heat for that, right? There was a lot of people that made fun of the millennials for even going. Right. And I'm like, you know, part of me was like, yeah, they're probably right. But also a part of me is like, Hey, they were sold this. Right. I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter whether you like say some rich young New Yorker yeah. has the money to spend on it. What is that? That doesn't affect you whatsoever. So I, I don't really care that somebody decided to spend all that money and got, I mean, I, I care that they got screwed out because of a capitalism thing, right? They paid for something and didn't get it, <laughs> you know, not, I mean, I kind of, part of me goes, well, I would never do that, but I'm not going to sit there and lamb these, blast these kids that have this money deciding to do that. I mean, yeah, people did and more power to them, but it wasn't my thing. You know, I'm kind of for looking sure. at it. like a part of me goes, you kind of got what you asked for because, you know, it was really kind of lame, but you also paid for something, you know, as a consumer, you were sold this pretty well. They sold it really well to them. And so, you know, yeah, that was part of it. So they, so they can't get this thing to get, so a part of me watched this and remember how when they got the island and that was the thing, the guy who owned the key said, hey, look, you know, you can have a party here, but do not mention Pablo Escobar's name. Yeah, that was the, uh, yeah. Yep. He the wanted, because he yeah. wanted a new reputation for the key, right? And a part of me, I've been thinking long and hard on this one because it didn't occur to me till lately. But, okay, so what do they do in the first pump? They say Pablo Escobar immediately. And the guy who owns it basically said, nope, you're out. Like, like yeah. part of me goes, one of two things happened. Either these guys figured that we'll say Pablo Escobar, the guy will be pissed off, we'll pay him a little more, we'll make it good, but we got our message, right? That didn't work. <laughs> this guy was like, you're done. Like, you, you know, I don't think they probably expected that answer. Another part of me says, I wonder if they realized that they weren't going to be able to pull that size off at that island and kind of sabotage themselves so they had to move on. That's what I wonder. I don't really know that. They don't ever say that, but it doesn't make sense when a guy tells you very, and I'm I'm sorry, but even if you know people, if this guy owns a drug key or used to be a drug key, I mean, he's probably not taking any crap. (laughs) You know, he's probably like, I I I said no. (laughs) I think your, your, your first analysis piece, I sort of agree with that one. So you think Mm -hmm. it's the whole, you know, once that bell's rung, it can't be unrung. Right. So it's like, you know. So, yeah. The guy guy says, I told you you couldn't say that. You're done. I guess so then the marketing move. guy did it. Yeah. No, I, well. What it, what it, what's going to take, oh, okay, we'll give you X number of dollars, but we'll still use this. We'll still or, use hey, this we're sorry about that. It won't happen again, but it's already out there, right? Sorry, but yeah. no, it didn't. So, you know, again, I, I think it's that one, but, you know, I, I won't ever put a buy to say, hey, you know what? They realized, okay, we need to go to a different place because this isn't going to work, and we've already put so much, you know, 
you know, verbal, this is where it's going to be, that maybe they sabotage themselves. I don't know that. There's nothing to suggest that. But a part of me goes, well, then how are you that stupid? Like, you don't know who you're dealing with? Like, you don't, because clearly these people are used to getting everything that they want most of the time. These McFarland and Jaw Rule specifically, if you watch them interact, the one thing that bugs me the most is they go to this island and, you know, it's the it's the photo shoot, it's the video that they set up. And they just, it was just one big party where the producers of video were just trying to do a video, right? They're just trying to go, hey, this is our job. And they're like, no, it's going to be a big party. And it's all a party, right? And I understand that to a certain point. But then, you know, you're watching this and they're at the table. And they, there was like, I guess part of the island or area where there's like wild pigs or something, which is, yeah, I've heard of this actually, where they're yeah. swimming. And so the guy, the producer, you hear the guy talking to one of the guys on the phone says, Hey, look, we don't really need to go there. You know, we don't need to go there. We know we don't need to go there. We got other things we got to do. And Ja Rule, of course, because Ja Rule with his voice and odd, mod, the way he talks. And he's like, Hey, real yeah. talk. You know, if we want to go, we're paying a lot of money. If we want to go see the fucking pigs, we're going to go see. I, I almost wanted to reach through the, to the thing and go, you are the epitome of a problem. Like that attitude about everything <laughs> yeah. is a problem. But so they go do it, but it was, it was a waste of time, but it was one of those things where that, like I really started to watch that and John Rowe really wasn't heavily in, like he was heavily in kind of the, you know, kind of sending the message out, but he wasn't really involved in the overall operation of it from what I gathered. Um, well, yeah, the, he I was, mean, to be yeah, fair, he was there at the beginning be... and to pump it and, and you know that, but he wasn't really. Well, to be fair, that's what the documentary makes you sort right. of. Because, you know, and again, that's what the documentary is. I know that, and and when I was looking it up before, a couple of different mm-hmm. things is he is in, he's in the suit for the big class action, the, like the one that's oh, yeah. like a hundred, sure. hundred million. So right. You don't, yeah. you don't, you don't get put into that. Like it's, it's he and McFarland together mm-hmm. are in that. Like, so. Well, obvi- let's obviously, be fair. I mean, obviously he was a big part. Well, he's a part I, of it. I just, but think, I mean, I just look, think the documentary I, doesn't have him in there as much as no, they, as they probably don't. But I, I also think, listen, you know, when lawsuits are involved, and I know this, you know, we all know this when you see what happens lawsuits with like companies. In a lot of places, they go where the money is. They go where the money right? is. They go where. Where maybe they can get the money at, as opposed to, I mean, like, how responsible is Ja Rule in it? I'm not saying he is or isn't, because I don't really know, because that really wasn't a major focus. But I also don't take the fact that he was thrown in there to show that of a major culpability. I think that was, oh, he's a part, he's a, he's a business partner with McFarland. Okay, we're suing everybody. I mean, I I think that happens too. But it, it you know, I would I would say though. What his true involvement is, we don't really know. So, but we do know he's there. He's pumping it. He's talking about it. He's heavily on hate. It's the whole social media thing to getting people to pump it. I, so yeah, there there's clearly a level of of importance because of who he is and the name uh, that that got this traction in the first place. So there is that part of it. So they they try to do this, and this is just. I mean, I really implore people to go watch this documentary. Either one, watch them both. Well, you know, just to sit back, watch them both. But it's you. At what point do you go? This isn't going to happen. You know, I mean. It's the, like I mean, de- denial. Know, even, to, even to your point of going and watching them, the <laughs> documentaries are, they're interesting to watch because you do watch the, and, and I think that especially from the, from what the perspective that you're talking about where I had, I didn't know about this until people that, a few people I knew were like, hey, have you seen this documentary in the Fire Festival? I was like, mm-hmm. sure. It's, um, I saw it on the, on Netflix on the suggestions, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard about it beforehand. And so I think you're right. Like, go check it out because 
it, it even gets to the point for me because I, it, it was only, oh, what's this about? Looked right. it up, checked Wikipedia, read some articles, but I didn't hear about it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't hear it when it happened. It, we didn't, weren't didn't hear about it. When it it happened, wasn't a part sure. of like our age group. So or I didn't I, or I didn't hear about it. Like oh, this cool fit. Like I know about Coachella. I know about Burning mm-hmm. Man. Right, and that's a right, good example. Coachella is probably the closest example of what they were trying to do, but yes. more on an even more luxury scale. That's Burning right. Man is Burning Man, right? But yeah, I, I term thing. it as they try to went. They try, yeah. But it's a music festival. It's a gathering. I get it. But it, you know, I think it's more heavily like. Yeah. Like Coachella on steroids and fancier. That's kind of how I gathered they were going. Yeah, totally. You know, that was their that was their blueprint. Was the idea of Coachella exactly? So. And so when you're watching this documentary, because you don't know anything about it, you know maybe people who are listening to us talk about it here on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So like, ah, I'm gonna go check out this documentary. Mm-hmm. You even get to the point where you 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 almost like watching the TV going like. I was just stunned why, by it. Why, why are people just not understanding that this, this thing is not good? Like you're two weeks out, you're three weeks out, you're four. Yeah, and they, they do a good job person. of a timeline. We're not giving a timeline because we're not doing yeah, a documentary, yeah. but they do a good yeah. job that you're working through this timeline with you know twenty days left, five five, yeah. you know all that stuff. For, work for, their way for down all to the day. For purposes, no time. Like no, no, none say, of it was going to happen. Say we have four weeks left. I mean, even us as. People had no have no clue yeah. about how to run something like that. This wasn't you, four weeks and they had twelve months to plan. This was four weeks left when they started six weeks out. Yeah, <laughs> that was, that's just, what it was. Just insane the whole thing. So, so yeah. So they have and and in terms of all that, right? So they so now the events there. I mean, stuff isn't done. You know, people are showing up. They they you know, there's a lot to it, but they end up getting there. And there was a sound stage and everything, and there were some things set up. But what they decided was they, they couldn't get the, the housing. So they ended up buying these tents. And, you know, they're like they're like basically leftover hurricane tents. I mean, they're not bad. Their domes are nice or spacious, but they're not luxury that you're billing. I mean, and that no, was what I'm they kept talking about. The people behind the scenes were always like, look, you know, if we get the message out now that this isn't truly a luxury festival, we can control expectations. And he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't yeah. listen to that. No, right. And want, one guy's he like, want, he wanted it like it was. He wanted to continue that, that, that vibe of it's going to be luxury because that was who he was. And it was like, the guys yeah. are saying in the background going, look, you know, they're going to find out anyways. Why don't just tell them now? Let them make a choice because you can manage expectations. But I watched the documentary because there was a meme that went out. You know me, I love the memes, so that's where I'm going to see it. And there, I kept seeing right. a meme about Andy. You remember Andy? Andy was the guy talking about the water. And yeah, yeah, the, 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 the yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was he was one of the and I you know it was funny when I didn't know about it. All I know is there was a couple of memes going around. Apparently, probably right after this documentary dropped because I I'd never heard about it. And it was one of those memes where like you think you're having a bad day and then it shows his picture right under it. So clearly, I'm like something happened with this guy. I don't know what they're talking about. So I ended up looking it up, and that's where. Because I saw like a lot in one day of all this, this poor guy just sitting, you know, in front of the camera, you know, average looking guy, nice looking guy, whatever, you know, he's just hanging out and it, but it was like, what did this guy do? And so that's where I found it. And it was funny because I I, I knew that this guy, the meme came from him basically saying he was going to suck dick or something. Right. And I went, that's kind of strange to be on. Right. Well, I was, that's going to be strange for that, but I'm in, okay, what's going on? And so at it was really funny because I found myself, I didn't know who this guy was, and I found myself watching this documentary, and honestly, I really liked the guy. Like, I watched him throughout the documentary. He's a really nice guy. He's you know, well put together. He knows exactly what he's talking about, and he tells that story. 
And I kind of felt bad for laughing at the memes. I mean, it was just kind of strange because I'm like, I like this guy. I really do. <laughs> you know, I mean, after watching this whole thing. Well, they, so the, he, he was definitely interviewed in a way that made him seem like. Very uh, positive. And, very and positive, he seemed. But also yeah. sort of like. Uh, he got stepped on a lot. He did. And he was somebody who knew Billy for, he'd worked with him for like four or five years. He did a lot of right. the events. He coordinated a lot of the events for that loft, you know, we'll get together, place, hang out like the wine tastings and social stuff like that. So he knew him from that. So we had a background with him. And so the story is, is he's down there and he's, you know, he said he had to leave for a couple of days because he was doing some work for the America's Cup trials in the similar area. He was gone for a couple of days, but he comes back and all the water, the Avion water, these big trucks full of it had come into customs and customs wasn't going to release it because they wanted to get paid their $175,000 um, you know, fee, entry fee. And now keep in mind, there's a lot of money getting thrown around in this documentary at this point. I mean, we're talking millions, supposedly, and, and, and committing talk to of money, this. at least. Right, at least, agreed. But but I'm, I'm talking about I'm what curious, these costs are. That, yeah, right. I'm, I'm, well, and I'm curious how many of those things were actually paid out. Cause I mean, those, I, those, most those, of it weren't. Most of it yeah, weren't. Like but I, work, they, they had right? paid out a decent up front. And, and when I say decent for us is probably a lot, but for them in terms of like, I guess this event was, a, they had, Figured $36 million is what it was going to cost. I'm guessing they probably paid two. I don't know. You know, who knows? But Andy comes back. This is the guy. And, and and so they're not going to release the water. And he says he gets a call. And God bless him. He tells the story. And I give him a lot of credit because it's kind of a screwed up story. But, you know, he does have fun with it. And I get it. And, he, and I guess he gets a call from Billy. And he says, you know, hey, they're holding up the water. I really need you to take one for the team. And he's, he has you know, points like, well, I'm taking one for every every day here at this point. What's going on? We are a wonderful gay leader. Like, you're kind of going, okay, well, you know, we need you to go down and, you know, if you have to, we need you to go down and suck Cunningham's dick. And I guess Cunningham is the, you know, the, the you know, customs, head of customs. And he's like, what? And he's like, you know, we're going to, if we don't get this water, it's, you know, this festival is going to fail. And, you know, we just really need to go down there and we need you to blow if he wants that or something. And the poor guy, like I'm watching this because he's telling the story and it's clearly an embarrassing story. But, you know, I give him a lot of credit that he he handled it very well in terms of the story. Very like I, I did not think I could watch somebody tell this screwed up of a story and go, he still handles. He, he seems very classy to me. <laughs> he really does. Yeah, he definitely know? seems. And I think so. Yeah. That, OK, so here's actually the question. That story. Oh, and to be fair, he didn't have to blow the guy. Let's just let our listeners know. Yeah, he, the customs no, agent said, well, hey, look, he, he didn't even offer. He said he couldn't be nicer. He said, hey, look, I just want to be paid one of the first people. And he says, no problem. So he was very adamant. Hey, look, that but, never but my, happened. I guess my question is, so is that story told in Hulu? No, I, not that I know of. I, I don't remember. I watched I watched Hulu once. I really, I, I watched it start to finish. I wasn't that impressed with it. And I pretty much stick with the Netflix version just because so, to so, me it's funnier. So my question is this, and knowing that, the the fuck Jerry media mm -hmm. company it co-produces mm -hmm. the movie, but also was the media company for for Fire, right? See, I guess it's the cynic in me. Maybe I'm just a bit too skeptical. No, you're but, probably but, right where you're going but, with this. Yeah, <laughs> you know where I'm going. <laughs> it feels like it, it felt like an injected story. It didn't feel the whole time. I, I just and it's funny because I found out afterwards. Mm -hmm. That the co-producers of the documentary, or the co-producers, producers, or the media company mm -hmm. rather, for the fire festival, right? So I don't know. It just 
like the well, story's funny and and he it's funny and, is it and, necessary no but is it for is it for i don't know it, shock factor even, probably is it even true though like no, who what, knows who knows it it fits well with the with the documentary it fits well with with sort of the theme of everything and that guy andy he is yeah. to me i mean to me he is he's the sort of the clean cut sort of yep um well, very well put together, you know, very put together, smart, you know, smart. very successful what he's so, done. She's you know, sort of the yeah. guy, like always sort of right. the voice of reason. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, I, well, I, I will say this. What I did find out, what, what I noticed, and now that you're saying all this about who's producing the Netflix version, was in the Hulu version at the end, I never got the feeling in the Netflix version that, that Fuck Jerry had really anything to do with anything being wrong. Like they kind of got screwed. They did what they could and they moved on. Right. Well, right. In the Netflix version and the Hulu version, excuse me, at the end, it indicates that fuck Jerry was also implicated in some fraud, uh, as well. That it doesn't mean they did it, but I'm saying they were, they were they were, they were, their name was somewhat dirty right at this point. Right. So I didn't never got that feeling with the Netflix. And I thought it was very strange because at the end of the Hulu version, they were giving you where are they now or what happened and blah, blah, blah. And it did talk about how, you know, fuck Jerry was put in involved in some lawsuits for potential, you know, whatever, not accessory or whatever they call it. So that would make sense that you're, that the Netflix version has them involved in it because they didn't come out perfectly clean. Don't get me wrong. They, they didn't come out like they never did anything wrong, but they, it just never really, seemed like there was a problem like they just seemed like okay we're trying to pump this we're trying to pump this and then it's over we're screwed right mm, you know now we can now i can understand why it happened in the netflix version now i like the netflix version just for entertainment value so that's why i always say if you watch both you kind of get the full spectrum story about it but right. yeah <laughs> yeah the whole the blowjob story or the the potential blowjob story so these these kids show up and, and here's another thing about watching this video, and I try not to be this way, but I'm watching these influencers as they're interviewing them as they're leaving, and I swear to God, I'm watching these people in these, in, you know, talking in their phones. And we're going to the Bahamas, and we're going to do this, and it's just like I'm watching this going, you guys are tools, all of you, every one of you, you know, your job is to influence. That's your job. Now, I'm not saying you can't live that dream. I mean, hey, it's America, right? But I'm sitting here going, you irritate me, every one of you. Just this whole attitude. You know, the girl gets on the plane and it's not a luxury plane. It's it's granted it's a piece of crap plane, but you know, they branded it the fire plane, but it was just a big jumbo jet. They thought it was gonna be like, you know, those twin props where it looks kind of cool when you're flying into the Bahamas kind of thing. And yeah, no, yeah. they're in this big jumbo jet that's a piece of crap, really. And she's like, This is like low economy. And the way she's talking, I swear to God, I'm like, I'm kind of glad you went. Like when she's talking, I'm seriously going. I don't wish ill on most of you, but I'm kind of glad you got screwed. There's a couple. Because, of, there's a, there's mm-hmm. a couple of people in that group. Oh, that, you that, know which one I'm going to get on. I know you know this one because I'm yep. sure you felt the same. I can't way remember the guy's name, but what was his name? The guy, the guy with the kind of slick back. It wasn't quite slick back. Was he uh, the Asian guy? No, not that guy. The, that guy. That's the one I got. I couldn't stand that. No, guy. No, he wasn't but, too. But he was the other guy. Um, Oh, you're talking about kind of the redhead guy? Yeah. He was really kind of interesting. I mean, he's kind of like, hey, we were going to go jogging. Like, the way he's talking he about them going. Like the, I'm so yeah. rich. Yeah. And I'm kind of nice, but I'm so rich. I'm naive yeah. to the world. I'm like, he oh, did. so irritating. He, he very did. He very, you know, it, he did. And there was, you know, a couple of the influencers that just bugged me. I'm like, you know, you deserve that, but you know, saying cynically. And then there's that guy, and that's you know, okay. And then they're talking about the the guy Seth, who 
Um, he's the one who talked about a lot. He was one of the main guys too. He's the one who ended up suing him. You know, he, Seth, he, he was that's right. Seth, right. I think that's one of the cross. No, Seth Crossner or something like that. And he, he talked about it. You know, he's like, Oh, we're getting on a plane. And my buddy says, Hey, you know, uh, blink 182 just pulled out, you know, and they, and they read the statement, which was like, you know, we don't feel we can, it didn't say anything was wrong. They just said, we just don't feel that we can give the, the performance we want to give to our fans. And I, I love what he said. He goes, well, I've never been to a Blink-182 concert, so I don't even know what that means. You know? And I'm like, well, he's yeah. probably right. He's right. I mean, if probably. you've never been there, what do you know what they do and don't do? And to be fair, I mean, it's my age showing, but I knew nobody on that list but Blink-182. I never heard of anybody before that. Really? Anybody, I, I maybe heard of one, if I'm lucky. And I don't, you know, it's not really my, that's did, not my music. I did, I did go. Uh, Tyga is the other name I remembered, but that's it. Tyga? Yeah, I there was Tyga and Major Lazer, I know. Major Laser, I've heard of. I'd never, I've at least heard of them. And it was, but this is definitely, Blink-182 has got our generation because they've been around for that long. But it's, it, you know, the other groups really are geared more toward that millennial generation. So I didn't really know a lot of them. But it, it was like, so they talk about this guy. And then the guy that gets me the most is, is and I'm just going to, just because I don't know, his Asian is it's the easiest way to describe. He's the only Asian guy interviewed on in this thing. It's the easy way to pick him out. But, oh my gosh. When they when they show up, and it's not it's clearly not going to happen, and it just all hell breaks loose, right? All these people show up. They're standing outside. They're feeding them alcohol because they're just trying to keep them happy. And then like that's going to work. I mean, that is a time bomb waiting to happen. But then, you know, they have all these tents, and it rained the night before out of the blue unexpectedly, so the tents are soaked. You know, I mean, it's just is just a shit show at this point. Well, so and all these people think they got luxury villas at this point. Like they're driving in, going what the hell is this? You know? And a part of me goes, see, like if I drove in, I would be like, Oh look, those are dome tents. Those are good accommodations. Well, okay. But I didn't pay for a luxury villa either. Right. So that's where my guy, I kind of have to like step back and go, it seems snotty, but they're sold something. Right. And so they're seeing this for the first time. That is all this is just big dome tents, like in a big, just as far as the eye can see. Right. It's definitely not luxury. It looks like a FEMA. It does. It yeah. Like and they're not bad. Don't get me wrong. I think we would, if we stayed in a tent like that on a beach, we'd probably be happy with it because it was big. It was, you'd have a bed in there. It was nice, but it just wasn't, it wasn't a luxury villa that you're paid for. I mean, you bought this, right? And so then Billy comes out and I guess, fine, you know, it's just, they talk about it. It's just it starting to devolve, right? And finally people are just like, where do we go? And he said, just anybody who got a villa, get a tent. And then it's a free for all at that point. Well, there, there's your problems. So yeah, 4,000 people. And now... They're just running to tents to get any tents they can. And the guy that set me off on that video is that Asian guy. He talks about, they're showing him and they're like, no, no, let's go over here. And he goes, well, our plan was we really didn't want to be by the edge. And I can understand that, right? Because people are getting a little leery. I mean, it's kind of a fend for yourself scenario, right? But what pissed me off is this guy talks about how, yeah, so we didn't really want to have any neighbors next to us, so we just like totally trashed tents and our buddies pissed on some of the stuff. And I'm like, okay, so you little asshole, you little asshole, you are so into yourself that there's 4,000 people here and you don't give two shits about anybody but yourself, but you destroyed tents because you didn't want anybody else around you. It doesn't matter that nobody else has places to stay. I, I mean, I couldn't believe that. That just, that floored me out of everything was that guy and the fact that he said it so blatantly on that video like like it's no big he laughed about it oh yeah we totally did that i'm like i would punch you <laughs> i mean if i was at that thing and i watched you guys you ought to beat you that's crazy 
Like that is the most selfish thing I ever heard in my life. Like I'm just like, wow, that's where you went. You didn't want neighbors. So you destroyed tents around you so nobody be around you. That's effed up. And I get it. They're, people don't know what's going on. It's becoming like a Lord of the Flies scenario. And it, But oh my God, I was livid. When I saw that, that never, every time I saw that video and it, he said that, I always smeared at him. I kid you not. By myself in my house, I'm looking at him going, you dick. <laughs> well, he's, well, he, he's probably representative yeah. of a group like that of yep. whatever percentage. Be, that's probably why they pull him out. I, look, I agree with you. It's... Mm-hmm. And he, he was he's definitely sort of a no, just yeah i yeah sort of one of those one of those parts of the movie that they I just I, it just blew they, me away at that point to, yeah totally right so <laughs> yeah, i mean the whole <laughs> the whole i mean the whole circumstance it's just it's just a it's such a crazy mm-hmm. uh just overall crazy story about it's so it, hard it, to it, explain it, how yeah. crazy it is it, and like it, we're it, we're doing it, it, decent it, it, justice to it because we're giving you snippets, but there's so much in there that if you watch, you're gonna be like, wow, timeline. Like Susan was like, I told her you need to watch this, and so she's like, I'll watch it whenever. When she watched it she, by herself, she came in and she's like, that's crazy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We know it's funny. While we've been talking here, I I, uh, mm-hmm. I pulled up the the Wikipedia for McFarland. Mm-hmm. And it says uh, so. Like when you when you pull up a, an individual's Wikipedia, mm-hmm. it'll say, you know, Joe Smith, right? Nationality ba- and ba- well, basically like their name, just yeah, their basic name. And it, well, usually they'll say right beside their name, right? What they what they do are known for. So you know, Bill Gates, you know, right. Microsoft uh, or whatever they're doing. Microsoft or or mm-hmm. businessman or something, right? You know, but Billy McFarland, Eric Flatikval, yeah. I guess what you know, what he's known for. He's known for Mountain Mono podcast. Po- yeah, yeah, that's right. Podcaster. <laughs> it says that, but Billy McFarland. It says Billy McFarland, fraudster. Yeah. So that's awesome. He's, well, Wikipedia. Keep in mind, Wikipedia is you can go in and edit it. Well, of course, but 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 yeah, that's but what, it is funny. That's what he's that's what he's known for. Fraudster. But, it, but it's, yeah, what it says. It says that, criminal charge, mail and wire fraud. Well, then you realize, okay, so this all goes down, and it's just a crap show, oh, and actually, it sorry, gets Bill, even Bill, worse. Bill, Bill Gates doesn't say anything beside his name. Bill Gates, yeah. Most people probably don't, but they really want to emphasize that Billy McFarland's a fraudster. So it's like so they so this this happens, it devolves. Well that's never happens. That's because there's more than one, that's why. Right. Yeah. It never happened. Oh, exactly. It never happens. It 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 ends up not going down and people end up going home. But it but it's a just a crap, it's a shit show. People trying to get home and you know, the people that organizers basically bail, right? All the people like Andy, like they just had to like get out because people are like threatening their lives at this point, right? So it starts getting really crazy because all the people that worked on building the event for like a month straight, all the, the Bohemian workers and they didn't get paid. You know, so they're like basically putting hits out or like, hey, let's find any one of them for ransom. I mean, I get it. They you get out of there at that point in your life. Right. So they come home and this is what astounded me. They come home and now fire media. It's a feel for a lot of people that worked on the app because all you're seeing is the people and everything that worked on this this festival that the, these there were people still back home working on the app solely. Right. This is their job. Because the company was broke up into. Mm-hmm. Two groups, right? Like there was right the was, app and then the festival. The app, yeah. The the festival was part of Fire right. Media, which was the overall company, and you had the group right. working on the app. You had the group, so they're back in New York where they are, and they're working on this while this is all going on, and they know stuff's kind of going squirrely because you know they're back home, and you know McFarland's in and out of New York and Bahamas, and you know things aren't getting done right away. And there's just a lot to it, but 
these guys, they come home and now everything that they work for is gone immediately, right? Because they, they had nothing to do with the, with the festival. They're just fire employees working on this technical, the app and they're, you know, the app made sense. This thing was potentially going to be like a billion dollar platform. So I get why they were gung ho on it, but everything was gone just because it, gone. And what I thought was interesting is they talked about, you know, the whole why it failed and, you know, the New York Times did this piece about how, you know, they turned around and talked about operation standpoint. But the point that really in essence that this festival was built by a whole bunch of powerful supermodels sharing an orange tile. That's really how it began. But yet, one guy, one kid who went over there with like 400 Twitter followers posted a picture of a cheese sandwich because that was their food. Mind you, this was a luxury festival. And they, and they said that. It was like the models built it. And it was it was basically essentially dead in the water once that, that picture of the cheese sandwich hit. Like some kid with 400 followers just toppled it. Like at least online wise, you know, so that's, that was interesting. And then he comes back and, you know, he's living in a penthouse, of course, you know, he was sketchy anyways. I mean, he was shady, but then, they, then, you know, they keep going about how he tries to do another fraud to get more money. They're emailing the email list of all the fire people. Some guy, not under Billy McFarland's name, doing it for him, trying to sell him Grammy tickets and, you know, just lying because they don't have any of this stuff. Right. So they, so that happens and he gets busted for that too, after all this. Right. So it's like. Yeah, it's just crazy. So it was a crappy event, apparently, but it was fascinating. Well, if you want to watch no a documentary, event. it was no. Well, yeah, exactly. It, it, the best. That, well, that's the best part of the title. It's the the best part, the biggest party that never happened. <laughs> you know. So, well, have you, did you see? Um, did I send you the the WestJet video? Yes, yes. The, when they made the, fun of it, yeah, the, that was brilliant. The, the Flyer Festival. Brilliant. Well, that's at the end. When the uh, CEO or, or yeah, is he sitting there in the boardroom when they're when they're no. talking? Yeah. So for so for people that are listening to this, check out uh, WestJet Airlines did a April Fools' video called the Flyer Festival. So F L Y R E, making fun of the Fire Festival. So this all of what uh, Mike and I have been talking about in regards to the the fire festival mm. uh, i can imagine there's people that saw the because west oh Jet, it's hilarious i oh, laughed when i watched it's that so oh, funny you have brilliant. to know about the fire because if you yes. don't know about the fire festival it's not gonna make sense as much it makes no sense it's like well you don't it, it, you have no although it would be super funny if you told hey look at this ad that WestJet has and somebody yeah, go, that, yeah. it would be entertaining but you wouldn't understand how hilarious it really was you have no you have no clue Right, WestJet yeah, yeah. West has done. I every April first, I always go to check to see what their new thing is. What their what their uh, April Fool's the Chive day. did something like that too. By the way, the Chive on April yeah. on April first also. Yeah, I went. In, I went and saw that. Yeah, was hashtagging Fire Festival again, and then just kidding or something. It was, the, they, they did it too. Not the, as good as WestJet. The West did. They didn't do like a video though. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, the the WestJet ones. Dude, it, like year on year, are so funny. So, I'm gonna, I, I've got it saved, so I'm gonna check it out. And but you, but you got, you got to, um, you got to, you got to check their all their April Fools' jokes. So, like one year, I can't remember what it was, but they said uh, they had, um, I think they called it Cargo Kids, like K mm-hmm. for Cargo Kids, right? Um, kids uh, like child free cabins, but it wasn't mm-hmm. the you you couldn't bring kids on the plane. It's that they they put your kids in the passenger hole in the in the luggage hole. <laughs> um, 
There's all, like they've just done super, super funny. They, That's oh, hilarious. And, oh, another one was one year they, um, they said they were converting to metric time. <laughs> you know, we're a Canadian company. We believe we should be uh, mm-hmm. in metric time. Something like that. I can't read. Check them out. The but the flyer festival is the one that. Uh, um, oh, that that one when you showed it to me and and you know I watched it right away and I. I had to show Susan. It was it, the best part was the whispering. We're supermodels, you know. Super like models. I'm a I'm a with, model too, but I'm with, a guy, with, you know. With, with pigs. With <laughs> oh, pigs. yeah, with pigs. And the whispering was the best part because yeah, it was it, it, it really emphasizes how like just ridiculously like yeah. snotty it was when yeah. you think about it. But yeah, I I didn't feel sorry. And that's the thing. I didn't still didn't really feel sorry for it because they they show a clip of a comedian because once this all happened, you know, and it was going down, people started making fun of it. And that's fine. Look, I'm all about making fun of pretty much everything. It is what it is, right? I mean, but the guy being interviewed in like Conan or something says, you know, he's like, do you feel sorry for him? He's like, uh, and he laughs. And I get it. He's, he's on a show. They're going to poke fun of him. And he's like, if you have that much money to go see Blink-182, you know, that's that's Darwinism as its finest. I'm like, yeah, it's probably a little harsh, but I understand why you're making fun of it. You I know? mean, it, yeah. I don't know. I guess I'm on the other side. It's like... No one should, if they're putting out any kind of money, mm-hmm. get scammed. I, I, that's where I am with it. Right? Like, you still it paid did, for a service. It, it just, didn't happen. Yeah. You and know? you shouldn't. And it was scammed. really bad. It was fraud. You so, shouldn't yeah. get scammed just right. because you have a lot of money. And look, or, and look if right. you have a lot of money, you probably have a lot of money because you earned it. Right. Whatever. We won't get into that's a, maybe a conversation. Well, who knows? Right. But still, it's your money. Earned. Yeah, and that's my thing. My thing is just because yeah, you have yeah, a lot of yeah. money in your kids Even that you, you got water, taken right? from, right? It, you still—that was my thing. Is I, I laughed because it's bad, but I also stepped back all the time and go, you know, I, I'm not one of those like I don't feel sorry for him. Like uh, I feel sorry for him because you got scammed. I mean, the end result is is you were sold a bill of goods, and I can understand why you believed it to a certain point, and sure. it still sure, does something too. Is like yeah. everything from the marketing side. Oh, it's brilliant! Was was perfect. Oh yeah, it was straight up. They nailed it. I mean, it was a great marketing campaign that made sense. There were a lot of red flags before these kids took off they, that they started to notice, and I think they should have done more digging, you know, at that point. But it's it's to the point where it's like you watch it, and again, I I I I I, I fall on the side of yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have spent that amount of money, but these kids had it. They were sold a product. It didn't happen. So I totally think it's screwed. Right. Yeah. You should, I don't, you, you should, you should feel bad for someone who gets skin. I know why they made, I know why they made fun of them at the real time. It was like the Lord of the flies and they were laughing saying, you know, there's not enough arugula to go around. I mean, I get it. It was going to be a joke. There, there, there was going to be jokes going left and right, especially on like late night and, and, and anything that happens it, there, you know, it's going to have jokes, but, but I never really felt like these kids deserve that kind of joke because regardless of whether you, liked it or not no, what they spent their money something. on they got screwed over that's, that's and a lot of money too this is a lot of money we're not talking like two hundred dollars <laughs> you know no it's a lot of cash it's, it's, it's like saying that, you know because somebody goes home and buys a five thousand dollar tv mm-hmm. and if it doesn't work well haha you spend yeah, it screw no, you. It's like, no. right and, and that's and well, one thing i did find interesting at the end when they talked about when the attorneys got involved and they talk about the influencers and it's something i totally agree with is that you know, nobody's saying that these influencers were doing anything maliciously. I mean, it certainly wasn't that kind of implication that these, you know, models and influencers, you know, should have known. No, 
But what they were doing, though, is they were promoting this event without really telling you that they got perks from it or that they got paid for it. And that's the problem that people had. And I understand that because ever since that fire festival event led to do some regulation that if you're going to be an influencer and you're going to promote an item on Instagram, you have, there has to be some sort of hashtag advertisement. There has to be something that indicates that you are involved somehow with, you got basically paid for this. I mean, like, well, I watch a television commercial. I know that person's paid for it. I listen to a radio commercial. I know that person's paid to be on that radio program, but on inst- on a social media, you don't know that. You don't really yeah, know that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like you don't assume that. You would think so, but I mean, and and I would think so. Going wow, look, there's. I mean, I'm not really heavily invested in the supermodel world, so I didn't even know who half these people were. But it was. Yeah, I don't know. The only person I know, the only name I knew on there was Haley Baldwin because that's Adam Baldwin, the actor's daughter, and she married Justin Bieber. It's the only reason I know that that name even evolved. Still I don't do. even know how I knew it. It just was like, oh, okay, yeah. great. And it's not yeah, even like, I'm a, I don't follow Justin Bieber, but it just happened to be that I read about it. And I'm like, oh, I was more interested in the fact that it was Adam Baldwin's daughter. That's really the only thing I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I, I didn't know you that. Know? But, but, you know, like, I don't know if I see anything. If I see anything on the internet now, I assume there's money behind it. I assume, you would think. And I guess, and I have for a while. Like, if I see something mm-hmm. on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever, I mm-hmm. just assume Money is the reason why that's there. You would think, and especially an event like that. But I, I do agree with the certain aspect that they wanted to send a message. You know, I mean, how hardcore it is, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I haven't followed to know what they have to do. Maybe they only have to do a code. I don't know what they have to do. Maybe they don't have to do anything at all anymore. I don't know. But I do know that they were heavily into that because of that situation. And yes, I agree, but because social media blurs the lines a lot between advertisement and reality or not reality, it's really hard. I mean, you watch television, listen to radio, you know what you're getting. I'm getting a commercial. But if I'm watching Haley Baldwin or Bella Hadid or whoever these women are, hashtag fire festival because they're down there, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't know at that point. And again, I'm with, I agree you should know, but. I just think there needs I, I think, to be some, that, somewhat think, of a, a some, I, something involved I think there. saying, that's I don't know, is being a, I don't know. I think that's being a bit naive when you're, well, checking, when, you, when you're seeing someone. If you have someone that you follow on Instagram and they are. Well, especially like a Kendall Jenner in this case because yeah, we sure. know she was paid $250,000 well, for any, one Instagram. One of those. If yeah, I, that's I, clearly I, an advertisement because she put the link on there. So but that's clearly an advertisement. Any, but if you follow anyone that has you know, a million plus you know, followers, which I assume all of these models. Yeah, I, I don't, but I, I have to assume this is, I don't literally follow any celebrity at all. <laughs> at yeah, all. See, in any and I, and I follow form, a so. couple, right? Right. Um, yeah. n- none of these models, but you know, no, the rock. Sure stuff. you don't. And, but I assume that anything that they're putting up, anything, even if it's, right. you know, quote unquote personal, I assume in some way it's monetized for them. So probably, I, I think yeah. I just, I well, just you're like, probably, that's a very fair way to look at it though. I mean, I, I agree with that, that that's the fair way to look at it, but with the way social media is and the way people are influenced through social media now, especially the millennial group, I'm not talking like you and I, I'm talking about you and I are going to be skeptical anyways, right? Cause you've been around long enough. You're like, mm, something's not right. Or, you know, I, I'm assuming that these, top tier supermodels didn't just decide to show up, show up at the Bahamas at the same time. I, they're that's clearly I mean, brought here for a reason. I get yeah. it. But you're also I mean, talking like, about what? 25 year olds in New York with a lot of money and it's all about status. And 
I don't know. It, they all wanted to be it, right? I yeah, guess. I guess I don't so, know. Right? It, it's tough. Yeah. You know, but again, it's still, again, I don't think these people's money should have been taken. I, I, I look at it from that aspect, well, you know. But, and why? but that's why, and hey, that's why the guy went to jail. Oh, yeah. Six years. I mean, that's no joke. And he was banned that when he's out, he's banned from being on any kind of corporate board ever. Like he can never do it again. Yeah. Literally. Like you're yeah. banned for life. You can't ever be on a, a board of any company for the rest of your life. And for that guy who's like, when you learn that he's, I don't know, I can't over say he's a true scam artist, but if you watch the stuff he was doing with Magnesis and it was like robbing Peter to pay Paul, he wasn't really making the money. And the end result is, is that, you know, he really was, they keep talking about he was this brilliant entrepreneur, but he really wasn't because Magnesis wasn't making a ton of money. And fire had a lot of potential based on what they were trying to do, and they screwed it up. I, the whole simple thing is you screwed it up because you tried to do it too quickly. You well, tried think, well, to, I think, yeah, I think it just what, was amazing. I think what it is with McFarland yeah. is, I think it's actually a good idea, man. Mm -hmm, I agree. But he's clearly not a good, he's not a good execution guy, right? He's not the guy well, who yeah. wants executing a plan. They, they said something very interesting in the documentary. It was because they have about what four or five or six people that he that were all talking heads that were doing the interviews. They were all in charge of something, right? So. The gentleman who was the yoga instructor guy from Vegas, he, you know, he was in charge of working with housing, right? So they all have these, you know, and Andy was doing the catering because Billy fired the other guys. And so there's, they said something very interesting though. And I, and I thought it was very smart. They said, you know, every time we brought up a problem, it was like, Hey, we're not a problems oriented group or solution oriented group. Well, that's, that's think tank speak. We know that, that that's, you know, that's okay. But then you know, he said, it's possible by us always finding a solution, we allowed this monster to get out of control. Well, of like, course. Because they were, they found, you know, they found a caterer with two weeks left and they, they fixed, you know, all these other problems and they were able to give this pseudo false hope that it's still going to happen. Whereas had any one of those things basically fallen through, they would have said, okay, we're done. And so the fact that they, it was such an insightful comment though. And I feel bad for those guys because I don't think those people truly were trying to screw anybody over. Like they were thinking that they were going to do this event and they think that they, they knew it was tight, but they were just, you know, going like crazy. And it's just like the way he said it, I'm like, it's the way he said it, it's possible that us finding solutions always for these problems allowed this to finally happen. And I went, that sucks to feel like that. I get it. <laughs> I mean, I understand what he's saying, you know, so... But yeah, it was definitely a fascinating... And I love documentaries. I mean, I'm just... Yeah, I feel I feel like the stereotypical old man at this point with my with my readers on watching documentaries. I love them; they're great. You know, yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of them. Well, they're fun, what, and and they've gotten so much better. They're not the old school like ten, twenty years ago documentaries. These are like documentaries now to me are fascinating. They do a really good job making them now. <laughs> you know, they're interesting. Well, I think, Whereas I think before, they're just clinical documentaries. I think that uh, Netflix and streaming services mm -hmm. are definitely pulling out and uh, finding a, a place for people to. To get interested in them, and, and mm -hmm. you know, maybe maybe with that, you're getting more top quality ones because there's more. I, uh, there's more. Space I remember watching. Bit. I mean, I started on documentaries when Netflix first started doing the streaming service. Yeah. I mean, we Susan's had Netflix for God. We've been together over 15 years, and she's had it for at least 14 of that. Where, but it was back in when you did the discs. You know, you just yeah when Netflix before back, right. Netflix became yeah. right. Their exactly. original, what the original business model was. Right. And I remember when they went to the streaming service, there was very minimal content at first, which of course there would be. They just started off. And it was heavy documentaries well, in and, the beginning. Yeah, because they were, at that point, they were... Easier to get. At well, that point. Yeah, they were, and cheaper. 
Yes. Well, mainly, yes. They wanted to get stuff on there. And I watched a lot of great stuff that I loved yeah. back then. And I, yeah. I can't find them now, but I'm huge. When I say documentary and, you know, over time, we'll, we'll talk some other ones. You know, we're not a documentary oriented podcast. We're talking about anything and everything, but there's other ones you and I've talked about, you know, like cult related and things like that, that are definitely going to be interesting to talk about over, oh, yeah. over time, you know, so, you and to, re- you, main you, recommendations. You, 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 have to, you, you have to let me get caught up because I don't have the, uh, the 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 free time for viewing that I used to have. Well, you're you're you have two kids now, so yes. <laughs> I don't. We have one yes. child, and he's 22, and he graduates in two weeks from college. Yeah, and I and I like my sleep. <laughs> well, I don't blame you. I don't blame I like, you at all. Oh, sorry, I should I should be more clear. I like to try to get my sleep. <laughs> yeah, no, yes. I I agree, and it yeah, it's it. I don't watch, I mean, I don't watch a ton of them all the time. It's when I have some time, and again, I have a lot less, more time than you do based on the kids and the commutes and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of it I just have playing. Like, it'll take me a while to get through the documentary because I won't finish it right away or I'll get bits. And what I end up doing is I put it up on the living room, but I'll be doing stuff. Like on Monday, like tomorrow when I'm off, right, I'll just be doing house stuff. But I'll have it playing in the living room while I'm, you know, cleaning the kitchen and, you know, walking around, doing laundry. There, it's playing and eventually I get to the whole end. Like eventually I piece it all together. So I don't really watch it start to finish right there. Usually it just, it takes time. Like the wild country one where there's like six or seven hour long episodes. Yeah. It I, took me I, like, I, it took me like two weeks. Yeah. Cause I'm I only, just, I'm only, a, I'm only a couple uh, episodes into that one. It's interesting and it's, it's very interesting. And, um, but yeah, it's easily, easy to get sucked in. But I do that same thing with all the, like, I don't watch a ton of shows individually like i don't watch a ton of like subscribe shows like for netflix like ozark is one that i watch when it comes out i'll binge watch it when it comes out uh the punisher for the marvel series for the two seasons it was on i watched that um but i don't really want there isn't too many oh stranger things will be another one when it comes out those are but i love how netflix does it you wait you wait you wait you wait for a year or whatever it is and boom they drop here's your 12 episodes and you can just watch it at your own pace i love it i think it's great so uh, it's, yeah, it, so. yeah, that's like, uh, well, I'm on demanding Veep right now, but I'm just, mm-hmm. it's about all I get to, to check out. Uh, yeah, and the other stuff's very, I mean, like I said, Ozark is dark, and you've you, you've seen, you, oh, I love are Ozark. you in, right, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful show, it's, it's brilliant, fantastic. I love it, I love it, and Jason you know, really tremendous in it. I'm a huge fan of him anyways. I, I think Jason Bateman is highly underrated in how good he plays the, that type of character, and he always plays a kind of a character very similar and you realize that actors tend to do that, right? It's somewhat of their personality to a point, unless you're playing like some complete off role, but his acting style, I love it. He has that ability to be sarcastic and funny and yet serious all at the same time. Yeah. It translates, it translates <laughs> yeah. very well for this show. Really well. He could, yeah. you could watch a show. Like I thought I would be watching a comedy with Ozark. No, it's not at all. No, it's, <laughs> you know? uh, it's a, it's a nice, good, dark drama. It's very dark, and it's it's but it's well written and acted, and everybody in it does a great job. But yeah, I'm a I'm a huge fan of him in a lot of stuff he's done and and all that. Um, but I just I just think his acting style is great, and he's very underrated, and he's getting the recognition he's earned now through it because he's a very fun actor to watch. He just seems very natural, and every time he does something, it just seems like his sharp, fast, witty, bam, bam, bam. It translates to almost any kind of character in a movie somehow. Depending on, yeah. You know, well, I mean, so. Arrested Development. No, wonderful show. I mean, just uh, hilarious. I mean, that's, your, that's your point about the how, how yeah. quick he sort of 
yeah. appears to to mo- sort of move uh, move along with his sort of the way the way he sort of delivers pieces and yeah. And, well, he did that, and he yeah. was also another. I mean, I don't remember too many things he was in before, but I watched him in Couples Retreat, and that's a really funny movie. And have you ever you've seen that right where they go to the, the I've seen it, like I, I, the three I, couples I, 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 right yeah. it's it's funny but he it's Jason Bateman is very similar in that um, what he did do is he did a I can't remember what the movie's name is but he plays a guy and he, and he's such a kind of a jerk and but it fits perfectly with that sarcastic dark personality that he kind of pulls off in Ozark he does very similar he basically goes around the country and does spelling bees because there's no age limit. And he's going around and he's taking another kid with him, like a little Indian kid that he meets or whatever. And they're going around from spelling to be a spelling bee, like winning. <laughs> and he's, the interactions he has with the parents. I mean, he's just an asshole. It's great. <laughs> I can't remember. I got to look it up what the, what the name of the movie is. Isn't but it's so funny. I don't, I don't know. It is so funny. It is so funny. And it's just one like he's in a diner and a, a, one of the moms and she's very you know her if you saw her too she's a very well known sure. actress but um, you know she comes up to him and she's being just a jerk to him in the diner and he just basically levels a scorched earth with her in the diner like he's just sitting at the table being such an asshole sarcastic to her you like to, you, got just, to, you have to look that up and text it to me yeah I will it's great so yeah it's it's absolutely hilarious. it's very dark and it's a screwed up movie my boss told me about it because he's a fan too and i watched it and i'm like oh my god this is the you know the humor is absolutely hilarious but just the just that you know when they you watch those movies where somebody basically annihilates somebody verbally but it's yeah. so fast that it's like it takes you a second to catch up with what he and said i think that's what you talked about <laughs> before when you mentioned around jason that around mm-hmm. Bateman, like how that's sort of the, the delivery method that he has oh yeah right? yeah it's sort of dry and it's it. He either is dry when he delivers, or it's very. It could be sarcastic all at the same time. Yeah. Like okay, pumpkin. Like the way he talks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but very good. And it's always you always forget too that that's the same just just uh, Jason Bateman from Family Ties when he was a kid because you had his older sister played on the show. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, Justine Bateman. Justine Bateman. She yeah. played Mallory. Yeah, and he was on the show. He wasn't on the show as a relative of theirs. He was, was he like on, a friend. Was he on the show? He was. On, he wasn't. He he was. No. He was on a couple episodes. He wasn't a major character. He wasn't a central character, and he wasn't related. He was like a friend, I think. Of I don't remember. I think I don't remember. But he was on the. Sh- he was on a couple episodes, and I remember him. But he was a really young kid. I mean, at that point. So, but it's funny to watch because you realize a lot of these people. And it's interesting to watch people's trajectory of their careers. You know, he was a child actor because he really was for quite a bit of time. And then he yeah. kind of like there was no real him around. And then it's like almost like they take off. And I mean, you don't work in that industry. So, you know, your your chances when you get into something, you know, you grab it, and you go. So it's always interesting to me to find out people like um, Neil Patrick Harris, you know, child actor for a long time. And then he did the Doogie Hauser thing. And then he was kind of silent for a while but then he was in the show where he played the uh, barney stinson and that was how i met your mother and it was like here's neil patrick harris a gay man playing an overly sexed straight man which was hilarious he did a great job at it but it was like that's neil patrick harris and all of a sudden he's, he's in movies well, now and he's, he's doing a whole bunch of stuff now so playing himself in harold and kumar is so good though the first one. Oh yeah oh yeah so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> such, a, such a funny movie. Well, you think he's done that, and he, you know, he was in that, and then he's 
obviously in a lot of other things now he was in gone girl and, and uh, yeah. as a serious role and yeah. then you know uh which was a sad role but a good role and then um you know you have him in just a whole bunch of other shows since then that he's done limited snickets and all i mean he's just seriously heavy working which is great but it always makes you wonder man they start young and it's like there's maybe a lull because there's not too many people you think of He's kind of close where I can remember him as a kid and kind of growing up and he still worked pretty much. It's most like the other person that kind of died out and came back with the force was Josh Brolin. You know, he was in Goonies. Yes. Yep. And he was a heavy child actor for a lot. And then it's like he kind of, and I don't know if the, you know, it, maybe this is happens a lot. You know, you kind of stop and you go to school and do more, grow up a little bit. But of course, his dad was an actor. But then he's come back and I mean, he's a great actor. I like Josh Brolin. But it was, it's just like, man. <laughs> that's the guy from Goonies and all of a sudden he's Thanos you know <laughs> so yeah I don't know yeah. if this Thanos thing you speak of oh yeah uh, oh you're from uh, Avengers sorry no, the Infinity no. War movies and stuff so which is I, I was I've, more I've for watched, time now I've, I've watched almost no uh, no Avengers movie like anything from Marvel I th- how many Marvel movies is it 23 I think I've seen 22 five, six, 20, I think, 20, I think this, this, five, this one six, the, the end game they just did was 22 and it's not even going to be the end it says the end game. Yeah, and I don't know. Like I said, I I, I I am a big fan of the movies, and you know, my office will talk about that at some point too, and I'll put pictures up and stuff. We'll figure that out. But um, you know, I like the comic book stuff and and everything, and I, I they did a really good job, kind of wrapping not wrapping things up, but kind of they did this ten year plan, and I give them a lot of credit because to do a ten year plan of making all these different kind of movies and kind of tying them into each other somehow over time and then ending the way they did was a really amazing thing to do. Now, well, I don't know where they I don't know where they're going to go from this. I, I don't know how heavily I'll be invested in that because you know the end game was the end game. There's a lot of characters that are gone now and I don't know oh, how thanks, much Thanks. Thanks for ruining it. Well, end game, you know. So you well, thanks, know. thanks thanks for ruining it. <laughs> Just told like you I've seen a bunch of movies. No, it's but it's interesting the lead in they did. Spoil your partner in podcasting for movie. <laughs> well, I don't know how much I spoiled it because you you don't even know them. How did I spoil it? Well, I, maybe I'll watch them at some point. I would probably venture to say by the time you watch it, you'll have forgot this conversation because yeah, no, you are I'm, in your forties now. Remember that. I I, my I can't not, remember ten minutes ago sometimes, so I don't my, know if you're going to remember. My, my memory's not that poor. But however, it's now on tape. It's now on the internet. It is recorded. Yeah. <laughs> so. Speaking of memories and stuff, it is, uh-huh. uh, for people that don't know, we're recording this whenever it's going to release. It's uh, Sunday here. It is almost 11, which for me is... Yeah, yeah that's like two way, hours past your bedtime. way past my bedtime. Pretty close to mine, too. And I actually have to get up early tomorrow because I got uh, we got a crazy week at work. So I, think I have to get up early and amazingly enough, though. I'm off tomorrow. I got to get one of the dogs fixed tomorrow. So, you that's, know, I got to take her in. Like, I know. That sounds like fun. Sounds, yeah, it sounds almost early. as good as my day. <laughs> but I'm almost on my day off and I got to get up really early my day off. And I don't have to because I don't have little kids usually. There's so. always always something to do though, right? Yes, absolutely. We've already, we always know that. So, absolutely. Well, it's been great. It's been a great I think it's been a fun one. Yeah, Definitely it's been fun. a fun one. Um, we'll this, is, this is the vibe we're going to give. I mean, we're going to sometimes do shows like this and sometimes we're going to get into some other topics that could probably a little bit more serious, but you know, our goal is to kind of just go all over the board all the time. And uh, hopefully people are entertained by it. Cause we are, I am. It's fun. Agreed. I'm going to shut her down now and uh, we'll uh, until next time. Absolutely. Have a good one. Take care. All right. Bye.